What's up, guys? All right, my name is Josh Davidson, and I'm I'm here to talk about something that I've been really passionate about lately. It is in response to the general apathy of the public and the lack of selflessness that's observable in the world around us. The detrimental effects of hurricanes can leave entire communities in ruin. The incredibly heavy rainfall and strong winds leave lasting marks on people's lives. Specifically, this issue can be recognized in the wake of Hurricanes Harvey and Irma. They left cities such as Houston and Jacksonville in a state of disaster. This requires the attention of relief agencies. There exist incredible disaster relief agencies, such as the Red Cross, to aid during these times of suffering. However, not enough individual effort goes into aiding those in need. People who have time and resources to give aren't. This is something very upsetting and just saddening. Hopefully you guys listening will, by the end of this podcast, not only feel inspired to give to those in need, but obliged. The idea that plagues the minds of a lot of people is that charity is a single act that fulfills a specific time interval. It is manifested in people's donating once a week, once a month, or even once a year to be able to say that they did something generous and therefore don't need to do anything anymore. This concept stems from the popular notion that, quote, I am worth more money and attention than those in need, end quote. This counter-argument has been justified for years and years of people saying their hard work merits their own comfortability and luxury. So this utilitarian mindset implores people to question why giving is even vital when they get nothing in return. How could it possibly benefit me if I'm just throwing my money at someone who doesn't have any? So this counter-argument, like weak as it is, is also stems from the notion that other people will take care of it. You know, this notion of not my job um, contributes to the very attitude that poisons modern society. Waiting for someone else to do something is not how humanity has thrived. Cavemen never waited for food to fall into their laps. They had to go out and get it. They saw a need and responded, for their lives depended on it. The disconnect most minds cling to is that those affected by natural disaster aren't immediately in front of them. We help when it is a family member or a neighbor that experiences loss, but never strangers. I want to know why this is. Generosity has become a responsive act. It is only done when immediately required or demanded. This mindset of lack of progressive generosity is what has left our society in more suffering than is necessary. Even with this lack of progressivism, we are staring a need directly in the face, like right now. Though less personal than like helping out a neighbor or a family in their times of need, we all exist as a single collective species. We are not a species of instinct, but of conscious action, and we choose what we do. We choose what we align ourselves to. Today, in this very moment, wherever you are, people are suffering greatly. So the Weather Channel stated, quote, September 2017 was the most active month on record for Atlantic hurricanes, end quote. The tremendous impact of these storms have flooded people's homes, knocked out large grids of electricity, killed power, and literally blown the roof off places. There were 10 of these in the very recent past. Hurricane Harvey hit my hometown of Houston, Texas just a single day 
after I left for the fall 2017 semester. Luckily, my immediate family suffered little, but my second cousins, who live in southern Houston, got hit really bad. Their house was flooded so severely that they had to be rescued by lifeboat. There had to be a person willing to sacrifice time and resources for these relief efforts, or else my cousins and their little boys may not have survived. A single person's conscious action to aid in a time of need saved their lives. This is the extreme consequence of people giving to relief agencies. It is a life and death business where a single donation could save a life. So I want to put this little scenario in y'all's mind. So imagine you're living on an island with only your immediate family and a one other family. So you get into this routine. You help one another when you're asked, and you create a system of gathering food, clean water, and you grow close together, you know? So one day the neighboring family's youngest comes down with like a, like a terrifyingly intense fever. She sees sweating, hyperventilating, throwing up, and the crying is just constant. The parents of the child are petrified. With no medicine or information on remedies, the family feared for the life of the precious girl. You had previously found an incredibly potent herb on the island that eliminated a bad headache, and you wondered if it might work on the little girl's fever. If not completely cure it, it may give a little comfort. However, the thought comes into your mind. What if she's contagious? What if somebody in my family needs the herb? You continue the thought process. They don't even know I have the medicine. Aren't I doing the right thing in looking out for my family first? But then the father of the dying little girl runs over to you, tears rolling down his cheeks. He says, I don't know what I'm going to do if we lose her. That's my little girl. He looks intently in your eyes as if to ask, is there anything you can do? Would you give up the medicine? Withholding the medicine from this child is essentially withholding her ability to live. So I'd like to come off that and say immediate suffering trumps potential suffering and should be eradicated as such. These same principles can carry themselves internationally, so Puerto Rico's condition is incredibly heartbreaking. I don't know if you've heard of the news, but the entire island is experiencing the same effects from hurricanes. The governor spoke to the press, pleading for more federal aid from the United States. International affairs with Puerto Rico show the true devastation of these natural disasters. Their need of assistance points to the necessity of all people affected by disaster to be humble and not be guilty in asking for assistance. Pride is unnecessary and prohibitive in the face of such tragedy. If the father in the proposed story had not approached you, you might not have kept you might have kept the medicine. It shouldn't take the emotional cry of one's neighbor to initiate generosity. We should have each other's backs no matter what. In aiding our Puerto Rican neighbors, we set an example for the rest of the world to follow. In a book called Governing Disasters, uh, Engaging Local Populations in Humanitarian Relief, a professor by the name of Shali Ali comments on the existing laws of international nations in regard to natural disasters. So he takes a more political approach to involving populations in relief. So 
He proposes like practical laws to enact for better and more efficient disaster relief. Ali states, quote, Looking specifically at the applications of new governance approaches to the post-disaster humanitarian aid context, scholars have begun to examine the cluster approach, which is the UN's latest effort to impose order on the increasingly unwieldy environmental uh, humanitarian catastrophes, un end quote. So he goes on to explain that the cluster approach is the assignment of like sectors to be in charge of monitoring, monitoring, mapping needs, planning, etc. This is all requires manpower. So this all requires people to help. We need volunteers. It requires people who want to help other people. So another interesting study that was conducted on disaster relief pointed to the underlying theme of human dignity that I'm trying to approach this talk with. This study asked the question, quote, how does accessibility to post-disaster relief compare between the aging and the general population, end quote. What they found was shocking. They found people prioritizing who got relief, specifically in parts of Florida, based on age. Those who were 65 and up received aid generally less immediately than those who were under the age cap. This leaves a demographic of individuals who observe a pattern of like physical shortcomings without the resources they need to see through hurricanes. Relief agencies are therefore commenting on the state of life as less deserving than a person of youth. This, however, is a faulty notion based off of an based off of again utilitarianism. People are not worth what they can give you in return. People argue that the elderly aren't given to society as much as the young and energetic. This does not eliminate their value as human persons. They, comari- they carry tremendous witness to the, cap- the capability of people to endure suffering and tell of the morals they've learned along the way. People within the relief agencies have seen others contributing generously and have been changing their views on the elderly since. There exists an individual who went above and beyond the call to generosity in the in post-natural disaster times. So this is my boy, J.J. Watt of the Houston, Texas. He created a fund to raise uh, like $200,000 for those affected by Harvey. And at the close of this initiative, he ended up raising $37 million. $37 million. <laughs> That was one man who used his power and influence for good. So we all carry power and influence. No matter how small, our voices and actions never go unheard or unnoticed. It is when we give that others feel compelled to follow suit. J.G. Watts sets an example for all of us to use what we have to give what we can. We may not make the news or be the front page of a paper for sacrificing a couple hours on the weekend, but we will contribute to the well-being of humanity. We will make a positive impact in a suffering environment. Another kind of different role model we have to look up to is this performing arts crew in Japan that responded to uh, the great earthquake and tsunami of 2011. So this earthquake had a magnitude of like 9.0 and turned up like a gigantic tsunami that left uh, debris washing up on the shores of the Americas like years after. Like 
years after this tsunami happened, we still see its effects. But entire cities were flooded in Japan, and people lost everything. They lost their homes. They lost their resources. It was devastating. So the response of the performing arts crews were not to cease their trade and wallow in the tragic events, but to put on a festival to liven the spirits of Japan's affected. These remedies may hold to be as valuable as food and water. The spirit can be crushed by circumstance if we let it. The performing arts crew didn't let their tragedy kill their passion, and they wouldn't let it kill others either. They fought against pessimism and cynicism with laughter, awe, and entertainment. This is a lesson that we should all learn. Our actions never go unnoticed, and if we respond with tears and anger to disaster, we aren't moving towards anything good. If we remain optimistic and helpful in these times, spirits stay aflame, and lives are recovered from pits of despair. So personally, after seeing how these individuals and groups were contributing to alleviating suffering, I asked, like, how could I possibly compare? How could I, like, with no money, no influence, contribute in any means that is significant? Like, how can I ever compare to, like, J.J. Watt giving $32 million? Like, that's insane. Like, I could maybe give, like, 100 bucks, and it would be, like, selling all of my possessions, but I thought about it even more. J.J. Watt didn't wake up one day and say, today I feel like being a charitable guy. No, it wasn't a single-day process. He adopted the virtue of generosity by habitual action. Those habits can begin today for everybody. So one small tape, one small step is all it takes to begin the formation of habitual generosity. Those habits add up. And you know, you never know, it may one day add up to $32 million. Let's just see how it goes. Some practical first steps would be looking into valid charities that actually contribute to disaster relief efficiently. The thing about charity is that if it isn't on-site participation, the extent of giving is commonly just monetary donations. So these are like a beautiful thing. You're transferring the work and time you put into earning the money into a benevolent interest. So to save you some time, I've researched charities that do incredible, efficient work in the realm of disaster relief. The first is obviously like the American Red Cross. They take donations immediately following major crises, which is when they receive the most attention. However, they're a program that's mission is to be prepared for disaster when it strikes. Therefore, donating to them at any point, hurricanes or not, is ensuring that a good company has the resources to do what it takes to save lives when these inevitable catastrophes occur. So you can visit them at theredcross.org and learn more about their work, like specifically in disaster relief, um, or you can see how they contribute to other such crises, um, and they work to alleviate other such sufferings. Another uh, institution is called Habitats for Humanities. Um, it is a means of providing shelter for those who have been stripped of it by windstorms, floods, etc. Um, personally, I've spent like quite a lot of time in this particular program. I've worked on three separate projects and put in many hours providing housing for the poor around local North Houston. Their mission extends past the impoverished to those who seek refuge after devastating natural disasters. They are so easy to help as well. Like if you have a free Saturday morning, they have like an online sign-up thing where it takes like two seconds and then you just show up 
sign a waiver and you get to work and help serve the less fortunate. Sometimes the future owners are also on site and they're working alongside you. So it's incredible to see the appreciation of these people firsthand. If that particular service is outside, like the range of your abilities, like donations are always appreciated and put to good use. So a final source I would like to recommend specifically for disaster relief is AmeriCares. This organization based out of Connecticut stores millions of dollars worth of medicines and medical supplies to be provided for those who need it following natural disasters. Injury and illness are often the result of these circumstances, so the work these people do is significantly valuable. I would encourage you to look further into how to get involved in helping them at their site, which is americares.org. So, the difference in who gives and who doesn't has an obvious correlation to social status. Like, it's it's really observable. So, if you average, if your average yearly income is sitting like below $20,000, um, it is obvious that the extent of your generosity is going to be uh, comparable to the proportion of your income to donation ratio value. Um, however, those who have less still donations based off of this scale. I believe this statistic stems from the notion of what little I have I cannot share. This just simply is not true. So if I had enough pie to fill myself and have a piece left over, I shouldn't eat that piece to like fill myself even more. Like That's just overindulgence. So the same thing is true with money. If you make enough money to live comfortably and use the excess money to buy unnecessary items or like extravagant things, it is just, it's simply money spent unwisely. So utilize your money in the context of a member of the collective human species, not an individual who desires to set himself on a pedestal for financial accomplishments. View natural disaster as an opportunity to give back to a humanity that deserves it. This, of course, all is in response to something that unites us. This thing breaks us down, but it makes us stronger. It makes us cry, but it evokes the utmost compassion. It is the yoke on our backs that strengthens our muscles. Suffering can be characterized as an imposition of uncomfortability on an individual. Natural disasters do this to the extent that people lose their very essentials. Homes, food, water, warmth can be stripped from a family in seconds. This kind of suffering can have two possible responses. Wallow in sorrow for the circumstance or do something about it. One is passive and one is active. One is optimistic while the other is plaguingly pessimistic. But here's the deal. We are all suffering in some regard. It, is it not the duty of people to alleviate the suffering in others to the best of their abilities? This... I believe this is our calling on earth. To battle with suffering is to grow closer to humanity by responsive action. We are all a single body of people sharing space on this earth. Our productivity and progression towards harmony starts with small acts against apathy and into action. Action with the intention of remedying an issue will compel a person's mind to start helping more than themselves. Give to the extent of your circumstance.
This is judged by the individual state in life. I, obs I obviously do not expect a homeless man to give the little food or money he has to disaster relief, but a large majority of people live comfortably and complacent lives. These are the ones who have money or time to spare. These are the ones who have the opportunity to make a difference. Please, I, I beg of you, don't squander that opportunity.